So the name of this week's parsha is Balak. And the obvious question is, how can we call the Torah portion this week by the name of a wicked person? There's a rule that you're supposed to uh, stay away from using the name of wicked people. As the Torah says, Shame Rishayim Yirkov. The name of the wicked should rot. Don't use the names of wicked people. So here, not only are we using the name of, the, of someone who's wicked, in general, we're titling the Torah portion by his name. So we could say that not only is there not a contradiction to this principle in this Torah portion, but the opposite, specifically by naming the Torah portion by his name, we're actually fulfilling this principle. The halacha is that although you're not allowed to mention the name of, a, of an idol, Torah says, Shem al kimachem you're not allowed to mention the name of an idol, that prohibition does not apply to idols that the Torah talks about. Like, for example, the Torah describes the... Um, place that we were when we left Egypt um, as being near uh, the, the idol called uh, Baal. So the Torah itself uses that, that idol as a description to the location we were in, even though we're not allowed to do the same thing. We're not allowed to say, meet me next to that church. You're not allowed to use a church, a place of idolatry, as a, as a marker for a location. And yet the Torah does use the, the, uh, the idol called Baal as a marker for uh, where the Jewish people were when they left Egypt. So the Sefer Yerim explains that when the Torah mentions the name of an idol, it's different because if the Torah mentions its name, that indicates that it certainly has already, it's already not an idol anymore. That idol worship has already ceased. That's what the Yerim says. He says it's okay to mention the idols the Torah does mention because whatever the Torah is mentioning is certainly no longer an idol. That's, that's what he says. That's why the Torah, the Parshish Peshalach, um, uh, says that the um, Jewish people left Egypt. And where are they? They're near the idol called Baal, Baal Tzafain. Why the Baal Tzafain? Baal Tzafain is an idol. Because if the Torah mentions this idol, certainly this idol is no longer a, a thing. It's no longer an idol worship. That's what the Yireim says. So that's why it's okay for the Torah to use the name of an idol worship, even though we're not allowed, we're not allowed to use this, do the same thing when we're trying to describe where a certain location is. That's what the Yireim says. But the question is, what's the basis for what the Yireim is saying? The Yireim says, if the Torah mentions it, this idol worship is already extinct. If the Torah mentions a certain place as an idol, um, a, cer- a certain idol must be that this idol no longer exists. What's the basis for the Uraim's statement? So what the Uraim means is not that if the Torah mentions it, that indicates that, that this, this idol worship has ceased to exist. It's rather by the Torah mentioning it, that itself negates the existence of the idol. Uh, what's a vedazara? What's idolatry mean? Idolatry means something which is a total lie. It's a lie. So the Torah is the opposite. The Torah is teresem, is truth. 
So when the Torah mentions idolatry, what's the purpose of the Torah's mention of idolatry? It's in order to show the lie in the idolatry and to totally negate the value and the importance of the idolatry. It sounds like t- to me like when the Torah mentions, it's, it's like we are describing in our Torah, which is, represents the Emes, the very fact that we're talking about idolatry means in the Torah, which is, which is the opposite of idolatry, which is about truth, the, it's kind of like, um, I'm trying to think of an, of an analogy for this, but like, th- this, is, this is like a, a book which is about Yiddishkeit, benching an idolatry, so it sounds like the the uh, uh, the, the, the the after it's after we've already come to con- the conclusion that there's a Torah and the Torah is true. So now the Torah talks about idolatry. It's like it's, it's looking back in history and saying, "Oh, there was there was once people like this who believed in Balzafain." The, the very fact we're using the, the, the Torah itself is talking about Balzafain, and the Torah is, is is a is a book of the truth, a book of Hashem. That itself tells you that the, 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 we're not giving any credence to the Baal because we're, the, the Torah, the Torah of Emes, is describing the Baal Tzafein. What's the what Torah saying about Baal Tzafein? The Torah saying about Baal if it's in the Torah, and the Torah obviously is taking the, taking the conclusion that the Torah is the truth, that's a book of the Torah, so it's, it's, it's mentioning the Baal is clearly... After the conclusion that the, the book that we're going to use, that, that the, the, the right way of life is the, the Torah. So it's not that if the Torah mentions it, that indicates that this idol worship has already ceased to be used. It's the opposite. It's that by the Torah mentioning it itself, that itself indicates its worthlessness. The Torah is a Torah of truth, and the Torah is mentioning this idol to highlight its, 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 its worthlessness. This is the book of truth, and, and oh, let me tell you what people used to do. People used to worship this worthless idol. So when the Torah does mention the, the name of an idol, any person is allowed to use that, that idol in their own ta- speech. In other words, not only is, um, it, was the Torah allowed to mention the idol Baal but any person is also allowed to use the same idol that the Torah mentions and say, oh, meet me next to the Baal Even though another idol we can't. You can't, can't say, meet me next to this church, but the Baal you could mention. Why? Because the Torah, by mentioning Baal has revealed the lie, the falseness in that idolatry. So, since the Torah has already exposed its fallacy, so therefore any person could use this as a marker because it's, it's no longer a... It's no longer something which, which um, challenges and is the opposite of the truth. It's already been exposed by the Torah as something which isn't real. So getting back to our question about uh, the title of the Parsha, Balak. Since the name of Balak is mentioned in the Torah in the context of how Balak's plan was foiled, he wanted to, the Jewish people to be cursed. And instead of them being cursed to opposite, they're blessed. So by mentioning his, mentioning his name, it's not a contradiction to the principle he not, the name of the wicked should, be, should rot. On the contrary, the very fact that the Torah is mentioning his name in the context of the story of his defeat, that is a, that's an expression of his defeat. The Torah is 
the Torah is calling a Torah portion Balak, it's not a it's 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 not highlighting Balak. It's the same way the Torah mentions the name of any idol. It's it's pointing out its worthlessness. So to the Torah, yeah, there was a guy named Balak, and here is how he was defeated. It's it's not highlighting his greatness. On the contrary, it's in the context of his of his destruction, and therefore we could call a Torah portion Balak because um, using this name is 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 meant to meant to highlight the denigrity, the lowliness, the downfall of Balak, and actually to cause the fulfillment of the, of the Torah's, Torah's principle, the name of the wicked should rot. How is the name of, of the wicked rotting? By using a, the title, the Torah portion, Balak. We're saying this is that there was a guy, and there's another guy who tried to defeat us, another guy tried to hurt us. Look what happened to him. So instead of it being something that, that is, that is uh, expressing the causing the name of the wicked to endure and to go on. On the contrary, by calling it Balak, we are pointing out the, it's, it's his failed attempt at attacking us and how he had met his demise and how he was destroyed. Using that name in the Torah is expressing not the greatness of Balak, but the opposite. Here is what happened. Here's another one of those people who tried to start, start up with us. Here's Balak's story. You follow the, the idea or no? Okay, so uh, that that um, that explains why you're allowed to call the Torah portion by the name of a wicked person. But in wicked people themselves, there are two options in this Torah portion. We have Balak, the king of Moav, who wanted us to be cursed. And we have Bilam, who actually cursed us. And the one who is uh, the main character of the story in throughout the Torah portion, is clearly Bilam. So the Torah talks about his curses and how they're transformed to blessings. And even the conclusion of the Torah portion about the seduction of the Jewish men by the daughters of Moab is also by his advice. So why, okay, we're allowed to call the Torah portion by the name of a wicked person to highlight their downfall, but why does Balak get the title and not Bilam? The answer is uh, in the Haftorah of this, of this week. Remember, Hashem says, what Balak, the king of Moab, advised and what Bilam answered him. Yes, Bilam is the main character of the story, but it wasn't his idea. He wasn't the one who plotted it. Since the one who plotted this idea was Balak, and Bilam merely responded to Balak's suggestion to his plan, therefore the, the one who... Since, since he was one who had this idea, therefore the whole Torah portion was called Balak. So this gives us a great, great insight to the great responsibility uh, in, in the hands of someone who gives advice. Some people think that because they're only serving as consultants, they're giving advice, they're not actually doing the advice, they're not responsible for the results. If it wasn't good advice, so the blame lies upon the person who accepted the advice and did this. But the fact that the Torah portion is called Balak, not Bilam, teaches us that the main responsibility is actually on the advisor's, um, in the, on the advisor's uh, shoulders, even more than the one who actually, um, one actually did it. The one who gave the advice 
has the uh, has great responsibility. So therefore, we have to be very careful when we give advice to someone, because the Torah places the uh, responsibility of of the one who's following your advice on uh, on your shoulders. All right. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. Rabbi Yonatan, Dr. Chaim Peretz, Chaim Chaim, Koltu. Thank mm-hmm. you.